Dude, so your spreadsheet, did you make that spreadsheet for the um, Timberwolves? Mm-hmm. It looks really good. Did you just pull up the war? Did you get the warrior one just from like online though? Yeah, I subscribed to this thing that has like all the salaries and caps. Dang, how long did that take you? It looked cool because it had the colorways and everything. I know. I basically just plugged. I just like using Excel better than Sheets. And the mm-hmm. uh, the one I get is on Sheets. So I basically just took that information and put it all in Excel, which took like eight minutes, but I was too lazy to do it today. So Yeah. All right. So you want to talk about kind of like the financials of the Warriors and kind of how they're going to, I don't know. What do you want to talk about? Yeah, let's talk about the Warriors. Obviously, probably the most interesting offseason in the NBA <laughs> this year. They're planning on competing they have obviously a core that's won a number of championships together so they have every reason to think they can compete this year Mm -hmm. but really you hardly ever see teams with as much talent and as much proven talent as the warriors and also have as much flexibility and as many resources to improve on that talent as the warriors have this offseason so i think that combination of factors creates a perfect storm for, like I said before, the most interesting offseason in the NBA this year. Yeah, 100%. And they have, like, it's so weird. They have all this, like, not leverage per se, but they have, like, the opportunity to, like, better their talent, even though they're already, like, superstar studded. And, like, the fact that they even have, like, a top five draft pick is, like, wild. And that they have the capability to even move that around and add a like maybe even like a proven star in the league they don't have to necessarily bank on a draft pick oh yeah i guess which is the good segue what what do you think they should do with that draft pick i honestly think that you get james wiseman mm-hmm. i think we've said this before but you've kind of went back and forth on it like should we get james wiseman should we not because you weren't completely sold on him huh yeah but i think it's an element where it's like we haven't had an athletic dominant big man and i think james wiseman could be that but he also might not be that's the kind of chance you take with a draft pick i guess yeah and i guess a principle i talk about a lot on the show and i think it's especially important in the context of the golden state warriors is just maintaining flexibility and i think that's important for a number of reasons with this franchise But in particular, the fact that we don't really know what this team is going to be next season. Like, we can expect and hope that this team just returns to championship form. And that's definitely a possibility given the players that they currently have on roster. Mm -hmm. But given the uncertainty of their star players returning from injury or, in Draymond's case, an extended vacation, and given the unproven nature of the surrounding players, this could also be a team that's competing for a playoff spot or even worse. Like this could be a team that's maybe back in the lottery next year. And so I I think think if everybody stays healthy, they're too good to have a lottery pick next year. Like even if they don't have a great season, there's no way that they're going to be that bad to where they're like in the running to get a top five draft pick again. Yeah. Because even if you do, don't you have to pay, you have to pay that draft pick and I don't, do they have enough space to make that work? Like you obviously have the sheet. So. Wait, sorry. What was that? Wait, that I like cut out there, huh? Yeah. Yeah. You are, you have like the sheet, like would they, like how much more could they like take, like bring in? Yeah. We can get to that later, but the answer is quite a bit. Um, really? Yeah. So Anyway, I guess going. I just wanted to finish that thought really quick. I was talking about just maintaining optionality and maintaining yeah. the flexibility going forward. And I think um, with that principle in mind, what I would do as the Warriors in this draft is take James Wiseman. Mm-hmm. Because if you take um, if you take the pick and trade it for a player, obviously you're probably packaging it with the seventeen million dollar. Andre Iguodala um, trade exception and you're getting a guy who has a figure on the cap sheet that's big and it's probably a guy who's going to be locked in for quite some time like there aren't a lot there aren't really any expiring contracts that are large and would tempt me if I was the Warriors so you're probably locking 
yourself into some sort of long-term salary. And if this is a Warriors team that ends up not being the team that Bob Myers and the rest of the organization hopes it could be, all of a sudden you get yourself into a pretty messy situation. Like it doesn't get talked about, but this could things could potentially turn ugly if for this Warriors team, just given the nature of their cap sheet and given the contracts that players like Draymond Green and Clay Thompson are on, if they don't return to form, all of a sudden the future is not looking so bright. And so what I'm I not think too concerned it, about clay. Yeah. And I don't think so either. I think even if, even if like even the 25th percentile outcome for him returning from this injury is still a useful NBA player, like given his size, given his being one of the best shooters in league history, I think even if his mobility and athleticism does take a big hit returning from the injury, I still think that Clay is a very useful player. But I guess to bring myself off of yet another tangent, what I would do as the Warriors in this draft, I would take James Wiseman because not only is James Wiseman, not only does he fit well with this team, but if this team does not turn out to um, does not turn out to be the Warriors team we hope it can be. He can also be a useful piece in the next great Warriors team. So he can be a guy who after Steph, Clay, Draymond all retire, James Wiseman can be sort of a building block of the Warriors team that precedes this group. And then finally, you might be saying like, why Wiseman over a guy like Ball or a guy like Edwards? And that... I mean, like we've kind of said it. Yeah, is A... A is that he fits so well with this team and B is something that I like to call the uh, new car off the lot syndrome, which is like right now the Warriors, the value of the Warriors pick is at an all time high because if I'm another franchise and I'm trading for that pick, like for all I know, that could be James Wiseman. That could be Anthony Edwards, even LaMelo ball. Like right now, if I'm just to throw out a random team, if I'm the New York Knicks, I, that pick can really be anything I want it to be. But as soon as the Warriors draft that pick and it's locked in as James Wiseman or um, Anthony Edwards, that pick takes a huge decrease in value. And like I said, the new car off the lot syndrome. And then what will... Wait, how Adam, come? Well, just like I was saying before, like right now, the pick could be anything the Knicks wanted it to be. But as soon as it's James Wiseman, that it the value drops because then you're locked in for one player instead of getting to choose whoever you want, you know? Oh, uh, yeah. And then, well, but you, yeah, like, yeah, I agree. But like, also, you kind of have to think about like, when do you think that the next time the Warriors are going to be a position where they have a lottery pick? And I don't think that's going to be like, it could be sooner than people think, but like being well, a fan and stuff, like, it's going to be next. Don't it's, want it. It's going to be next year with that Timberwolves pick they brought in in the D'Angelo Russell deal. Wait, they have another top five pick next year? Well, I don't know if it'll be top five, but it will be lottery. I'm not expecting the Timberwolves to be in the playoffs next year. Obviously, I could change that prediction after the offseason, but I don't really see the Timberwolves competing for the eighth seed. And yeah. so that, that should give the Warriors another significant asset in the war chest. Actually, I was just thinking about this earlier today. And I think that Timberwolves pick is the most valuable owed pick in the NBA right now. So I definitely think that's an interesting thing for the Warriors going forward. But to return to my original point about James Wiseman and that new car off the lot syndrome, I think James Wiseman can mitigate that because I think Anthony Edwards and LaMelo Ball, who would be the other two candidates for the Warriors pick, I think both of them will have significant growing pains adjusting to the NBA. I don't think either of them are particularly like polished NBA players at the moment. I definitely don't think either of them are players who are going to thrive on a, um, on a team that's like the same caliber as the Warriors. Like if the Warriors end up being that um, being like a 50 win team or whatever, I don't think that's going to be a environment where either LaMelo ball or Anthony Edwards thrives, especially playing in a role that's going to require good, like really high level defense and buying into a system where they spend a lot of the time off ball. I just don't see that as being a challenge that either of those two players are um, going to be able to complete in their first year in the NBA. That said, 
I do think that James Wiseman is ready for that. I think he's... It's odd because he doesn't have a big sample. I mean, a lot of these kids coming out of like high school, I mean, coming in and being like one and dones don't really have a big sample size, but like um, James didn't play like the best teams in college, but like that, do you think that really matters? No, I don't think so whatsoever. I think, um, I think, I mean, obviously it does matter. I obviously just in terms of scouting and being a hundred percent sure, like he's your guy, it does matter. But if he is the player that, um, if he is James Wiseman, we want him to be, if he is that like dominant, um, athlete. He's basically a lot. I mean, like, He's every, he's a rim protector for sure. Yeah, I think the floor is exceedingly high for James Wiseman. He's been working out, I think, in Miami this past week, and the feedback coming from that has been extremely positive. And so, I am more confident. I'd be more confident drafting James Wiseman than I would be with either Lamelo Ball or Anthony Edwards. Which doesn't necessarily mean I think Wiseman's the better prospect. Just that I think he has the higher floor. And I think he fits well with this Warriors group. Like, I think he can be that defender to pair with Draymond and then a low usage but high-quality play finisher on the offensive end. I think that Wiseman's skill set at this moment translates very well to this Warriors team. And so I think that will allow Wiseman to have a very productive start to his rookie season, which brings me to my um, final point is that if the Warriors want to, they can they can still move their draft pick at the trade deadline of this upcoming season. And why I think that's important is I think if you throw either Edwards or Ball onto this Warriors team, they'll just have such a disappointing rookie season that their um, value as an asset will decrease. And I don't necessarily think that means that their NBA career will be over or that their median outcome will have changed at all. I just think that means that a lackluster rookie season will have um, a sour taste in some NBA general manager's mouth. I think that James Wiseman, on the other hand, will have a chance to immediately contribute on a winning team in Golden State. And I think that will increase other NBA general manager's opinion of him. And I think that'll make Wiseman an easier player to move should that be the route the Warriors decide to go down yeah. at the trade deadline. Would you agree that um, if the Warriors draft Wiseman, the Warriors are in, a, are in a unique position where Wiseman doesn't necessarily have to produce right away. Like he can have time to develop as a player and kind of learn from his surroundings. Like they don't, they're not drafting him, expecting him to like be an immediate impact on a basketball team. Uh, if I drafted James Wiseman, I as the Warriors, I'd probably expect him to play right away. If nothing else, no. I'm, I mean, like you're not because usually when guys pick like a fir- like a first like a first like top five draft pick, you're that's going to be like your guy. But like the Warriors, they have enough talent right now, and they're like a winning team. They like a winning, winning franchise with like a decent roster. Like he doesn't necessarily have to be in there. Like going like they don't have to rely on him as much. Yeah, as maybe a, another team would have to. That's fair. Um, but by no means is this pick like house money for the Warriors. Like this is still a very important decision. And they No, yeah, 100% because there's so much they can do with it. And I think it's like, I don't know, they're just like in a, such a unique position where they're yeah. like, where they can get a guy like this. Yeah, I think literally it, go from being in the finals to like one of the worst teams in basketball. Like mm-hmm. it's crazy. I think it's cool that we're at agreement that they should select James Wiseman with the. I've said that from the beginning, but you were like, yeah, I was not necessarily old. sold on him. I'm, 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 I'm not sold. I, I'm not sold on Wiseman as a number two overall pick, but I'm sold on it being the right decision for the Warriors. So yeah, dude, he's 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 a beast. Like watching highlights and stuff, like he is pretty like. Obviously, he's like competent on both ends of the, like both offensively and defensively, and that's just going to add another element to the Warriors, which is going to be awesome. Like especially mm-hmm. if like he contributes like offensive rebounding and stuff. Like that's what has like the has been kind of the Warrior like Warriors' downfall, especially like in the playoffs. They haven't had a guy that's like a dominant like rebounder. 
100%. Yeah, I think he'd I think he'd look awesome on the Warriors team for sure. Oh, he, he I can already imagine him in their uniform, bro. He's he's like he's sick. He's like a 7 footer, right? Yeah. Yeah, and that, that that's awesome. I feel like cuz we we only have like Marquise Chris right now. Yeah. Is Marquise Chris our only center on the rock? No. Kavon Looney. And oh yeah, Kavon Looney, but he's not he's always dinged up. Oh yeah, Alan Smilegitch, yeah. But he's Smilegitch is like two years away from being two years away. So he's literally our age. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> Which is absolutely crazy. Yeah, but it's crazy because every scout I've read about and heard from has said that James Wiseman is the best like physical specimen at the center position since Joel Embiid. So Dude, that's what I'm like. If if James Wiseman actually becomes like, because he has all the makings to be like one of those like dominant athletic centers, and yeah. like I feel like all the teams that have a guy like that are always competitive. And there's such like it's almost like you have to have a guy like that in order to like compete. Because like I feel like there's so many athletes on the floor, you want guys to be able to match up with like everybody. Yeah. It's kind of like what Draymond does. I, and I don't I don't really know if James Wiseman's that guy. Like, I don't, he could be. Bro, he he I he's he's like he can protect the rim like bro, he he sends yeah. some shots back. Yes, he'll definitely be I think he'll be a good drop coverage center. That's a hundred percent sure for sure. But yeah, I, I've only I've watched like his highlights and then they played Oregon, right? Yeah. And he was a beast. Yeah, he had a great game against Oregon. He like took him. He brought him back into the game. I think. Yeah, him and Precious Achua, who's another oh, draft yeah. prospect from the Memphis Tigers. They both yeah. Had so, do you think that the Warriors could do anything like trading Draymond, or not trading him, but like dealing him away at a certain point? Like, could you ever see that happening? No, um, not if the Warriors expect to get any value in return. Draymond, in my mind, is pretty firmly a negative value contract right now. I think he's. What does his contract look like? I think it goes out for four more years after this. No, th- this season and then three more because he just signed the extension. And he gets paid uh, an average of $29 million a year. And so... Draymond's going to be so much better when everybody's back, though. I mean, y- you would hope so, for sure. Because he just, like... Especially, remember, like, game we were at, the Portland game? Like, he was just frustrated the whole yeah. time yeah and i mean he said his entire career that he's a 16 game player but when you're getting paid 28 million you would hope that you could play a few more games than that effectively. Wait, he said what that he's a 16 game player which what? basically means that he plays his best basketball in the playoffs which is awesome but i don't think that gives you an excuse to just be like jerking off for the rest of the year you know <laughs> Yeah, for sure. But yeah, dude, honestly, like, I think that Jordan Poole, he could like have a shocker season. Yeah. <laughs> he, he made some leaps in the, <laughs> at the end of the season, every, which was every, cool to see because he was like missing everything. But I really like him. He's a cool dude. Yeah. I mean, and the thing about that, though, is that every rookie looks better towards the end of the season when they play on a crowd. Yeah, you've said that. Yeah because they just bench their good players and let the kids have free reign. But, mm-hmm. and so obviously when Steph and Clay come back, it's going to be a completely different um, role for Jordan Poole. So we'll see how he adjusts to that. Maybe it could even be a good thing for him. Like maybe when he's forced to cut some of the lowest quality shots out of his repertoire, that'll obviously increase his efficiency and maybe that'll increase his confidence. Maybe he'll be able to, sort of thrive in a role that would be more appropriate for a player of his skill set and talent level. Yeah. What do you think of Eric? Eric Pascal. Mm-hmm. I loved his rookie season. I forget if he made he made did he make first or second team already? I think it was second team rookie. Yeah. And obviously well deserved. I I had him on my first team all rookie. Um he is extremely impressive to me. I think obviously you're never gonna play him over Draymond Green in like important games and important moments. But I think he's more than ready to like step up and be an effective sixth man for this group. I was a big fan of what he brought to the table. I think oh, no, he was first. Oh, first team. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. He was awesome. I think, especially if he improves on that shot, obviously like 
Um, he was great with the ball in his hands and as an inside score. But I think that having that shot will make it even more um, even more of a possibility for him to play significant minutes with the Warriors starting unit. So I think the future is definitely bright and there are ways that he could improve that could make him an even more important part of this year's Warriors team. Yeah, dude. Like, um, I really like Eric. Like he was, he's just basically like his nickname, kind of like baby Draymond. Yeah. Like his ability to like finish is awesome. And also he can shoot, which is great. Yeah. The shooting kind of was a little streaky and I'm not quite sure about the mechanics of his jumper yet there. It's a bit of a, um, it's a bit of a two motion shot, but oh, dude, isn't he the one that he he like kind of tucks his legs in underneath him, huh? So, sort of, and the he he it's kind of two motions. He has to pull the ball up and then kind of yes. Yeah. Doesn't he kind of look like he's like hovering? Like it's kind of like a hitchy kind of shot. Like it's like, yeah. but I mean, if it goes in, it goes in, and like right, he, yeah, who cares? He wasn't exactly setting the world on fire, but he <laughs> thought it well enough that he'd have to be guarded out there. And obviously that'll change because this year, let's not forget that Eric Pascal was probably either 1A or 1B in terms of the biggest offensive threats the Warriors had on the floor. And so his mm-hmm. we'll have to see, and this is true for pretty much every single player on the Warriors roster, but we're going to be seeing a completely different side of Eric Pascal this season. And I think so, we're going to see a lot of guys playing like, I don't know, like, Obviously, you know more than me, but I feel like guys are going to be more free knowing that we have like Clay and Steph on the court and stuff. Like, I feel like just it's just going to elevate everybody's game like significantly playing with such good players. Oh, 100%. And I mean, like, obviously, it sounds like captain obvious, but I feel like guys are just going to be like more free, kind of. Yeah. And I've been saying this ever since the Warriors made the Andrew Wiggins trade. And I know I've like, I love Andrew Wiggins. You yeah, want to talk about him for a little bit too, after you're done. Cause like, yeah. Like so what I've they should do with him. I've mentioned like the Harrison Barnes role for him. Yeah. A bit. And I know yeah. You're great. Like he, it's a gross overpay for a guy. You want to just be Harrison Barnes. He's on one of, he's on one of the bigger, well, not one of the bigger contracts in the league, but he's getting paid um, $28 million, which is obviously a lot for a guy. He just stands in the corner and shoots threes, but I think he's going to look way better. Like after cutting he's got a, lot a of- mid range game, my guy. Yeah. And I oh, are you talking about um Harrison or um Wiggins? We- yeah. Wiggins. Harrison Barnes. Yeah. And I, I think Wiggins well, Harrison will- Barnes just sits in the corner and shoots threes. I know, but I think that's, I'm, I think- wait, I'm confused. Were you talking about, like Harrison Barnes being paid like 28 mil just sitting in the corner. Or are you talking about Andrew Wiggins? Well, I think Andrew Wiggins will be doing a lot more. <laughs> yeah. In the corner. <laughs> Sorry, um, what I was, I was, about, what I was about to say is that I think Andrew Wiggins is going to look a lot better this year because he's going to be forced to cut a lot of the empty calories out of his game. For example, those mm-hmm. mid range jumpers you were talking about, like some of the less efficient shots that he would have free reign to fire away with the Timberwolves, I think that Steve Kerr and the Warriors staff are going to be maybe less excited to let him shoot eight mid-range shots a game. Yeah. And I think that'll be a great thing for him. And I think a lowered responsibility on offense will probably hopefully lead him to compete more on defense. I think it's the concept of in Minnesota, he was a big fish in a small pond, meaning like he was right. an, an important part of a bad team. And now he's a small fish in a big pond where he's like, a medium sized fish in a massive lake Yeah, where he's on a very <laughs> good team and he's going to be asked to do a lot less. So maybe he can concentrate on the um, tasks that Steve Kerr lays out there's, for him and just complete those to the best of his ability. I yeah, think. There's going to be games yeah. though. I know it where it's like, Wiggins is the guy. Probably. And there's going to be would, games where it's like, feed would, that boy, because he's going to be hot. And I, I would, really like Andrew Wiggins. I think yeah. he's a great pickup. And I think that um, he's a guy that's like, bra, like, obviously, if Steph and Clay are rolling, just feed them the rock. But if, if you need me to take over, like, I'll do it. You know what I mean? I think that's kind of sweet. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like he's not a, he doesn't have a big attitude. 
he's just kind of there to get better. And I like that. Yeah. Like I just never get a vibe with him where it's like me, me, me. I think, I think he understands. I feel like when guys kind of come to um, golden state, like they're kind of like, okay, I understand that I'm in a situation where it's like, we already have our main dudes. You yeah. I mean? hope, hopefully that's the attitude Wiggins has now. Cause that's certainly, I don't think has been the mindset for the rest of his career. Well, probably in Minnesota, like he's had to, he's been the guy. Yeah. You know I mean? thought it was for sure. Hey, he's good, dude. Well, I mean, Carl Anthony Towns was the guy in Minnesota. The Andrew, right. Yeah. Andrew, Andrew Wiggins did nothing to make Carl Anthony Towns. Mem- remember when there were talks, like if the Warriors would get cat? I do. Yeah. Didn't you even make a thing? Like you, I think early, like in our, early podcasts you mentioned like a proposal where like it could happen i feel like you did that or at least we've talked I, about it before i yeah probably not on our podcast but yeah i think yeah it was way earlier I but think, i think that you have mentioned like a scenario in which it happens yeah i think i think you're right um that was that was back when we were talking about um like that was back in the when d'angelo russell was still in the warriors and obviously there's been talks about bringing those two guys together for a long time, just because of how they're friends. And I thought it could make a lot of sense just from a basketball standpoint. I don't know how the asset play would work here, but just from a basketball standpoint, it would be exceedingly fun to see Carl Anthony Towns in a Warriors jersey, but obviously that never came to fruition. Mm-hmm. I just think that people are just like forgetting that the Warriors like even exist right now. And they're just like sleepers. Like I saw like a way too early rankings and I didn't even see the Warriors in there. And I think it was like top something and they weren't even in it. I'm like, come on, dude. That's like disrespectful, bro. Yeah, I would probably have, I'd for sure have the Warriors in the top 10 if I were to do it. Like I'm pretty sure I saw something and like they were not there. It was like an Instagram post. Interesting. So anyway, the next big topic I wanted to hit in this sort of off-season preview is the Andre Iguodala trade exception, which I mean, let's just say the Warriors did not take out a $250 million line of credit for no reason. I think this is a team that is motivated to spend money and feel to the best possible roster they can this season. Mm. What is, and, Andre played pretty well on the heat, huh? I, yeah. I mean, in the playoffs he did. He was, I, I, was not impressed with well i mean obviously take this with a grain of salt because he had just sat out for half the nba season he looked pretty atrocious in like the first month of games with the miami heat but yeah he put together a pretty good stretch of basketball in the playoffs and so um i don't know if he's worth the extension he got from miami in fact i know he is isn't worth that but i think he's still going to be a useful player on whatever team he finds himself on this season whether that's the heat or if he, I don't think he'll get traded. So probably the heat Mm -hmm. for sure. Yeah. I don't know. Like you were talking about what, like a torn, what, what what did you say? Yeah. The $17 million Andre Iguodala trade exception, which aside from the draft pick and maybe even more than the draft pick is probably the Warriors best Avenue to improving this team Mm -hmm. this season. And so basically not to dive too deep into the weeds, a trade exception is what you get when you make a trade that involves an imbalanced salary. And so for example, yeah, when you, how about like when you say something, you should explain it. Cause like, I don't completely understand like the financials of like some of the things that go down with them at NBA teams. Okay. Yeah. So a trade <laughs> exception basically comes from an imbalanced trade. So for example, when the Warriors, recording D'Angelo Russell from the Brooklyn Nets, they had to create room to bring D'Lo onto the team. And so what that meant was um, getting Andre um, Iguodala off the roster. And oh, yeah. They paid him. They paid the Memphis Grizzlies to take him on. But since the Warriors received no salary in that trade, what they did get was a $17 million trade exception because the 
trade was imbalanced and what a trade exception usually means. And it's obviously different because the timelines are all screwed up because of COVID, obviously. Mm-hmm. Usually you have about a year to use the trade exception after you first get it. So one season. And basically the mechanisms of a trade exception are you can use it by itself or with a draft pick, but not in addition to a player. And you can use it to acquire one player from another team. And you don't necessarily have to use it all at the same time. Like you could use part of it on one player and then have some left over to use on another player at a later date. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. Dude, some of this stuff's crazy. Like when did you get into kind of like, like, is this always like interested to you? Oh, for sure. Really? Why don't you become like a sports agent or something? I don't know. I being a sports agent seems stressful. It's a lot of I mean, how stressful could it be when you understand like the ins and outs of the game? There's so sports agents put up so much financial risk. It's crazy, especially the well, new- yeah, because they bank on their players and don't they take like percentages of the contracts? Yeah, that's something I didn't even think about or like realize is that these some of these contracts, like a lot of it's like not fake money, but like incentives, like including incentives and stuff. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. Like, yeah. Like Patrick Mahomes contract and stuff, but like they also try to blow it up to the point where it's like big enough to where they take a percentage of it. You know what I mean? Like that's, I didn't even think about that kind of stuff. Yeah. It's all about like winning the press battle. So right. Exactly. $500 million Patrick Mahomes contract shirt could be worth 500 million, but the actual chances of that happening are not 100%. Did you hear that they might sign Le'Veon Bell? No. That's crazy. Like, the rich just keep getting richer. I mean, like, Le'Veon Bell, his production wasn't, like, the best for the Jets because he wasn't healthy. But, like, still. That rookie running back the Chiefs had was supposed to be really good. Yeah, Clyde's awesome. I don't know how happy he would be about that. But, like, yeah, I don't know. Just wild. Interesting. So, yeah, I don't know. The Chiefs are annoying. Yeah. But I'll talk about that tomorrow. Yeah. Tomorrow we're t- you are you busy like 8 30 tomorrow? In the morning or at night? <laughs> at night. <laughs> Probably it's a Friday night. Uh yeah, but I don't think I will be. Okay. Well, I'm doing we're doing our NFL episode. Oh, you are? With my oh. friend and like my RA from a UP. He's like a huge Packer fan, so he's gonna hop on because he knows tons. He's kind of like you with the um NFL like he's like really numbers based and stuff you know what I mean yeah and so he's kind of into all that stuff so he's kind of our like you for the NFL which okay. is funny <laughs> yeah so if you want to you can that'll be fun okay yeah so I guess going back just to just to touch on that Andre Godala trade exception one more time is that usually when people talk about the Warriors using it it's in the context of packaging it with that first overall pick to go after a very valuable player. And I don't necessarily see like where that would be available to them, you know? So they are going to use that 17 mil for, they don't know yet. They haven't done anything with that yet. No. Uh, Right. And they, Could can, they are they going to use a little bit of it to pay James Wiseman, or am I way off there? Uh, you're 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 a little you're a little bit. I have off. no idea. I do not understand this because um, like a actually, professor teaching like a sixth grader. Like, there's actually a draft right now. player exception, oh. also known as the rookie scale exception, which allows a team to sign its first round picks no matter what, and okay. so no matter so they can use that 17 mil to acquire a player. Yeah. Or over like, like they can use that to acquire a player. Yep. Any player. Now is that a one year, 17 mil contract or they spread that over a course of. No, it's actually to trade with another team. So like, just for example, like Aaron, Aaron Gordon, or no, better example, James Johnson on the Timberwolves. When James Johnson opts into his $16 million player option, the the Warriors could acquire him using the trade exception, which brings up another. Principle. He's to do those on the Nets. Oh, that's uh, Joe Timberwolves. 
Who's the Who's the one dude that was on the Nets? No, that was Joe Johnson. Joe Johnson. Okay, got it. He's been out of the league for a couple of years, though, huh? Yeah, a few years. And then yeah. the other principle I wanted to talk about with the trade exception, which I think is, <laughs> I'm trying. I'm literally trying to focus so hard right now because it's like interesting to me because I like I don't understand it at all. Yeah, but I it's think like kind of cool. Like you could do like stuff on this where it's like you explain things because I guarantee you I'm not the only one out there that doesn't get it. I, I'm not, I don't know, but, um, <laughs> uh, another interesting thing I think the Warriors could do, and this hasn't really gotten brought up as much as I think it should have is a stepping stone trade, which that basically means when you trade a player for another player, you can trade it. You can trade for a player who is making, I think it's 125% of the outgoing player's salary, as long as it's just one player you're trading for. And so but that same rule doesn't apply if you're trading away an exception. So basically what I think the Warriors could do is trade that $17 million trade exception for a guy who's making that amount. So like James Johnson, to continue off of my example, is making $16 million. And then once you've got James Johnson, then you could trade him for a guy making $20 million. And so what that does is it basically increases the value of your trade exception by turning it into a player on an expiring contract. And I think that will be a option worth pursuing for Bob Myers. Okay. <laughs> and then once they do that, I don't see a plethora of options floating around out there for players who are, because here's an, another interesting thing. There aren't, that's a bit of an oxymoron there aren't really any players who are both worth giving up the second overall pick for and also um, available because you, if you're giving up the second overall pick, it's going to be for somebody who's very good and very good players don't usually um, teams don't usually want to get rid of them. So I think it's going to be a little bit hard for the Warriors. I think that's why you get James and isn't a rookie relatively cheaper than if you had to pay already a solidified star in the NBA. Yeah, but the Warriors print money, so I don't really think they're going to be too concerned about costs. I mean, I could be wrong, but I don't see why they would be, especially especially once they get fans back in the stands. That's when I think we'll really see the Warriors sell yeah. out some serious money. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's going to be when I mean, at some point, I'm sure we'll have fans. Who knows, though? Isn't it kind of odd how it's like we're 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 creeping up? Like once we hit March. That's going to be like a year, huh? Yeah, but the vaccine's expected to come out in January or February. What if that shit mutates, bro, and the vaccine's ineffective? Yeah. <laughs> well, let's hope it doesn't... It seems that. like the virus, it's always one step ahead, my guy. Yeah. You never know. It's so crazy, too. Like, yeah, I mean, obviously the Warriors have money coming out of their ears, but I mean, like, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I think they'll spend as much as they can while they still have Steph and Clay around. And then, which. <laughs> Remember Boogie? <laughs> yeah. When they signed to Marcus, people were like, Penn slid him in for the finals. <laughs> and then he doesn't even really, he doesn't even play. And then when he does, it was just like, uh. He had one good game in the finals, though. I think it was. Yeah, he did. He kind of carried it? us, huh? Yeah, I think he was like game four or five. Mm -hmm. He had a pretty good game. But anyway, Yo, I, yeah, you're right. I remember that. I want to bring up a couple, two in particular names, actually three. Let's go with three names. The first one was a guy who a couple months ago, I brought him up and I still think he would be good on this Warriors team. I just don't know how this deal would get done and whether Boston would. Marcus. Agree. Yeah, but I think Marcus Smart could be an interesting guy to bring in. Marcus but, Morris. No, Marcus Smart. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, Marcus yeah, Smart. Mar Did I say Morris? I don't uh, know. I just thought, if, I, I don't know. I did. I meant Marcus Smart. Marcus Smart for sure. Yeah. Um, but I don't really see the Celtics having a need for that um, number one overall pick, especially considering the three first rounders they already have in their war chest. If anything, they're probably looking to get rid of picks and take on established players rather than getting rid of established Dude, who players. Would, who does Boston even need? A center for sure. You don't like Tice? Well, I, I like Tice. I just think he's limited. And we saw that in the Heat series. Like, they need... So you think the like Warriors they, could make a move with Boston regarding our pick and Marcus? 
No, I, I, I said, I don't necessarily think that would be something that Boston would be into. Yeah. Um, who, who would be a fit for the bot for the Celtics? Well, this is a guy who I think would be awesome for the Celtics. And he coincidentally happens to be the next guy I was going to bring up as a potential target for the Warriors. And that is Miles Turner of the Indiana Pacers, who I think is a very, very underrated player right now. I think he's a good floor spacer, a good rim protector. And those are two things that are very important qualities for a center in the modern NBA. And I think the Pacers are definitely going to be willing to part with him, given DeMontis Sabonis making the all-star game last year. And they drafted Goga Batadze with the first round pick. So they basically have two guys who I think play the center position. And so I don't necessarily think they would be too averse to the idea of parting ways with Miles Turner. Was Sabonis Gonzaga? Yeah. Yeah. And I think Turner would be an awesome fit on both the Celtics and the Warriors. So I would definitely put him as priority number one if I was Colton Dude, State. I'm still, I think you get Wiseman, bro. Oh, for sure. me too. But I'm just saying, if you're trading in miles, well, wait. Can the Warriors use that seventeen million dollar thing trade exception on something else and still draft Wiseman? Yeah, they could. Uh, yeah, but I mean, if you're just using it on something else, like how good of a player are you going to be able to get if their other teams just dumping it on you, unless? Unless you're going to package it with the uh, Timberwolves pick next year. I don't really, I don't really see any value. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so my, you got Miles Turner, and Marcus Morris, but. And then Aaron Gordon would be the third one from Orlando. How is his last, how is his, this last season for Aaron? It was a little bit disappointing. Um, I think a lot of Did people. you get it from cheap? Yeah. I <laughs> Relatively. I think, yeah, probably not cheap, cheap, because I think <laughs> I think a lot of people do see some potential in yeah. him. He's probably an extremely overqualified second draft guy, which is something I talked about with Channon. A second draft guy? Yeah, which is basically when you draft a player as a rookie, what you're basically betting on is your organization's ability to turn him into a contributing player. And so a second draft guy would be a guy who's kind of disappointed the team who's drafted him and you're taking him on with the hope that your organization can turn him into a better player moving forward you know Mm -hmm. yeah so i think that aaron gordon is isn't necessarily that because he is an established nba player obviously he's making 17 million dollars a year and so he's far from a like didn't he win the dunk contest yeah he's won the dunk contest he was runner up this year very controversially. Who won it this year? Derek Jones Jr. Oh yeah. And he's on the heat too, huh? Uh well, technically I technically he's a free agent now. Now he is. Did yeah, he like, really play a lot? He did at certain points in the I season. always saw him on the bench and I was like, wait, I recognize this guy. Yeah, the Eric's bolster sort of lost trust in him as the playoffs went on. Where did what college did he go to? Derek Jones Jr. I want to say he went to UNLV, but I'm not 100% sure. Okay. I look that up because um, I'm i just guessing. They've got a lot of good players. Like Kendrick Nunn's good. Yeah, they do. They have it's they have an interesting situation going on there in Miami. That'll be a, an interesting one to talk about. Um, so you think that Aaron Gordon, Miles Turner, Marcus Smart are potential candidates? Yep. Those, and I, like I said earlier, I definitely would draft James Wiseman if I were them, but those are players who I'd think about if I knew that I'd be able to get them for the second round pick and the trade. Okay, so like if they, say they do get one of those guys, what happens to, what happens to the pick? What do you mean? Would they be giving that other team that for that guy? Presumably. Yeah. Hmm. I think that's stupid. Yeah. I mean, I I don't think they should. I don't if think they should more, do anything with that pick because I don't think that there's. I mean, besides if someone, I mean Miles Turner. I mean he's pretty good, but I mean like, yeah. If, if the Warriors are banking on being a championship caliber team this year, I think all three of those players help them more than James Wiseman would. And we just never know current season. 
I mean, the Warriors could have been close to the finals this year if they had all their pieces. Yeah, probably. And and then this kind of goes into like your argument for taking James Wiseman is that presumably the Warriors are going to need someone who can like guard Anthony Davis. Like the Lakers aren't going. That's what I'm saying is so valuable. You need a guy that can match up like that. Yeah. Marquise Chris is good, but I mean, like he's not James. I mean, obviously we don't know what James Wiseman will be, but I I think um, no matter what happens, I think center is definitely something for the Warriors to look into, which sort of brings me to one of my last points is that the Warriors are going to be an extremely expensive team. They're going to be, the ownership is going to be paying a ton of money for this group to play together, especially if they use the second overall pick or is even more so if they use the trade exception and get someone who's making at least $15 million. So this, this team is probably going to be the most expensive team in the NBA what could make it even more expensive and what's one more avenue to acquiring a player this off season is the 3 million, well, not 3 million. I think it's $3.4 million uh, taxpayer mid-level exception, which if they, for some reason, a don't draft Wiseman B don't trade the pick for a center. I think it's going to be important for them to use that $3 million exception on a big man. And what's really hard to predict here is that it's I, I find it almost impossible to predict a player who would come to Golden State because it's probably going to be a guy who's taking a pay cut because um, he wants to play for a championship contending team. And for obvious reasons, it's like tough to pick out individuals who are willing to pay for less money just because I don't really know the prerogatives of individual NBA players. But mm-hmm. I do think it's likely... like. I talk about this all the time on the show, but cap space is not created equal. And I think, or not even cap space, like money in the NBA is not created equal. And the Warriors money is going to be very valuable this off season. So if they choose to use that taxpayer MLE, I think they'll be able to find a pretty good guy with it. Do you think like if the Warriors, they've got the second pick right in the draft? Correct. Is there any shockers that they, you could see taking? Or is Wiseman the guy? Um, The Warriors, actually, I should have talked about this earlier. They've been sending out a lot of smoke signals, which is something that's not uncommon for NBA front offices to do. But Like regarding like multiple candidates for that pick? Yeah, one, one day they like Tyrese Halliburton. One day they like LaMelo Ball. One day they like James Wiseman. The next day they like Onyeka Okungwu better than James Wiseman. And basically what this does is it, in theory, should ramp up the um, the trade value of the pick. Because just say, for an example, I'm the Washington Wizards, and I really like Onyeka Okungwu. So when I think the Warriors might pick Okungwu, mm-hmm. all, all of a sudden like um, that pick becomes all the more valuable because I don't know if Okungwu will be around when my pick when the eighth overall pick comes up. So, mm-hmm. but you got to kind of be like, okay, I seriously doubt that they're going to take a guy projected like later, like, like, yeah. like below the second round pick. You know what I mean? Cause like well, usually, usually the, no, I mean, like, I mean, second not pick. second round, but like, like, yeah, below the second overall pick in that first round. Yeah. There's definitely a three man top tier in this class. Right. Usually drafts go how you expect them to for the most part. Yeah. Is when you're regarding like the top three. Yeah. Like that goes like in anything really. I think Edwards, Ball, Wiseman. I think most teams have those guys one, two, and three in some order on their big boards. For sure. Well, yeah, for sure. And I think that Wiseman has the most potential out of those three to become the best. Um, I would disagree. I actually would say in terms of potential, I think his 90th percentile outcome is lower than the other two. I think he has a higher floor. I think the 50th percentile James Wiseman is probably higher than the 50th percentile of the other two. But I think when you start talking about their ceilings, I kind of like the other two guys better just because the other guys play with the ball in their hands and are more dynamic offensive players. 
I mean, yeah, but like you've even said it, you're not completely sold on Anthony Edwards and you don't, you're well, not. Yeah, but that, that has nothing to do with his potential that. Well, that, yeah, obviously you think he has great potential, but I mean, like, I don't know, dude, like. Yeah. The median outcome for Wiseman, I would probably guess would be higher than the other two. Before we sign off, do you want to do a little lightning round? The Warriors have five guys who are non-guarantees for next year. They currently have 13 players on their roster. If they use that trade exception um, and make the pick, that'll go up to 14. Presumably, they'll either draft a guy or trade for one player, and it'll stay at 13, and then they can use the minimum to bump that up to 15 or second round picks or who knows mm-hmm. like it's pretty easy to find into the rotate into the roster guys but they have five five of those 13 guys on um or five of the 12 guys on roster now are non-guarantees so i'm just gonna read them to you right quick and you can tell me if you think they should bring them back for next year okay. so the first one is damian lee who is non-guaranteed for 1.7 million I've seen good things, also seen a lot of misses, and like a low percentage three-point shots. I don't know, like maybe, maybe I bring would, him back. I would bring him back 100%. I think, yeah, probably. Marquise Chris for 1.8 mil. I like him. Yeah, I'd, br- I'd bring him back for sure. Juan Toscano Anderson for 1.5. I haven't seen enough of this guy. So you're dumping him or unsure? I don't I don't know. I, I honestly have like no idea. I would bring he's, him hasn't back. Hasn't he had a few good games? He's had a few good games. He's a young guy who's kind of come up in the Warriors system. Like geez. Okay, wait, can we back backtrack here? Damian Lee, am I wrong about what I just said? Because like I've watched some of his games where he's had big games, but also I've watched some games where it's like it's he's not sinking any shots. Yeah, 100%. I would just say that like all sort of young, I would say there are very few players outside of the elite level NBA creators like Damian Lillard and Steph Curry and who would play a role like Damian Lee was forced to this year and not have a lot of inefficient games. Like he played so much with the ball in his hands, especially Mm -hmm. after they traded D'Angelo Russell. Like I like Damian Lee. Asked but, I mean, like, so much that he was playing a role that was way he was in over his head for sure. But, but I do think we have Kai Bowman? Yeah, Kai Bowman was the guy who I was about to get to. Who oh, had, my bad, my bad. No, you're good. He has 1.5 non guaranteed. I like him. Yeah, I like super him. athletic. Mm-hmm. I he think he gets up for being like semi undersized. Mm-hmm. I mean, but he's like a point. He's a, he's a guard though, so I mean, like it doesn't really matter. And he competes hard on defense. I, I I think him and I think him, Jordan Poole and Damian Lee will kind of be competing for minutes all year. Like, obviously, I don't know that because we'll have to see what this roster actually looks like and we'll have to see how things shape out. But if it stays someone in current form, I wouldn't be surprised. Isn't Kai Bowman a little small? I mean, he's like six one or six. Yeah. Yeah. I first shooting guard. And if you're. Oh, person, he's a shooting guard? Well, if you're. It uh, just. I thought he's a point guard. I have no idea. Well, I mean, he could play either. He's a bit. Yeah, of that he's a beast, dude. Style. He he's so athletic and so fast. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he's supposed to play football. Like he offers played yeah, at Bama. He, yeah, he played in college or something. He was he was a recruit for sure. And then the last guy is Michael Mulder for 1.5 million. I was gonna ask you about to talk about he's, him. He's a guy who I really I haven't really, seen him. I like him a lot. Um, he's a knockdown three point shooter. And he competes really hard on defense. So I think he could be an ideal 3 and D shooting guard. I don't know if he'll play a lot of minutes on the Warriors, but I I honestly, when I look at those five guys, I think his future might be the brightest out of all of them. Like, I'm a big Michael Mulder fan. Yeah, I haven't really seen. Did he come on later in the year? Oh, yeah. I think he only played, like, 10 ballpark 10 games. Okay, because, yeah, I don't really remember him. He had one, there was one game for the Warriors where Devin Booker was just killing him. And then Michael Mulder guarded him for like the third quarter at some point in the second half. And the Suns ended up winning that game. 
but Michael Mulder was very proficient in his defense against Booker that game, and that's really what sold me on him. Was as a you're a big unfair. defense guy. Like if you play defense, it's like you like him. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But just to have that sort of attitude, like this was like his fifth game in the NBA, and he was already guarding one of the premier scores and doing a good job, and he can hit an open shot. That's just like a recipe for success in my book. Mm-hmm. What happened? Why didn't Marquise Chris click with the Suns? I mean... Was he on a different team before he left the Suns? I mean, like he was on the Suns, yeah, right? The Suns. I think it just... I think it was Suns and then the Warriors signed him in free okay. agency. He, cause he, did he go to UW? Yeah, I think so. And he... It just didn't work. Because was, he, he was a top... Like he was a pretty like highly touted guy right yeah and i mean there were any number of reasons why he worked that didn't work out like aside from devin booker like the sun's draft record from 2014 to 2018 was pretty bleak like their Mm -hmm. talent development system isn't very good they've cycled through so many coaches it's tough i feel like Mm -hmm. for young guys to grow in a situation that's so unstable and he's still so unpolished like we even saw that on the warriors like he flashed some athleticism and some good moments yeah like alley-oops and stuff yeah but i think he's still far away from being a starter starting caliber center so yeah i like him because he's one he's one of the more athletic guys that the warriors have had at the five in a Mm. while i feel like i mean we had like javale yeah but i don't know and then we've had bogut who was good but wasn't like the most dynamic guy yeah, Javel's probably more athletic, actually, I would say, than Chris. Pro, I mean, he's lengthier, well, that's for sure. Wiseman would be more athletic for sure, too. Wiseman, Wiseman is like, he's pretty, he's good. He's coordinated for like his frame. Yeah. Which is pretty dope. But yeah, I, I'm i excited to watch this next upcoming season because this last one, they did not get off to a hot start. My dad's just like, bro, I don't know if I'm going to get the Warriors package, bro. Yeah. Because they weren't killing it. No. For sure. I, I think I've pretty much said everything I have to say about Golden State this offseason. Anything, any last thoughts for you? Predictions for this season. And where would you kind of rank them? Oh, it's, Im- it's impossible for me to make a prediction. I'm going to have to see how the offseason shakes out. We don't even know who's going to be on their roster next year. You think their roster is going to look a lot different from what it is now? Yeah, I mean, whatever they choose. I wrote, to- down, every- I wrote down a few guys from memory, and then I had to look up like a few other guys because I forgot about like Kevon Looney because he never touched the floor really this last year. Yeah. But I, I- got like Kai Bowman obviously clay and Steph, and then andrew marquis draymond eric and then jordan Poole. but i forgot about molder smiley gitch and juan toscano yeah i mean whatever they do with either the pick or the trade exception or both is going to have a huge impact on what the team looks like next year and if i were a betting man i'd say they'd get a, f- a few interesting veterans with the minimum contracts that they throw out so i think I think this will be a um, – obviously, you've always got the core of Curry, Thompson, Wiggins, but I think the surrounding cast will look a lot different going into the season than it does right now. So I might hold off on making my prediction for now. Do you um, do you think Curry's best basketball is behind him? Probably. Well, yeah, obviously the, his best basketball is behind him. Like – his, the season he had in 2015-16. No, but I mean, like, do you think that he can have another season? Like he's like when when he won it, uh, like in 14 and like 15. I think he can he can get back to being the best point guard in the NBA. So I think, and I think in that sense, no, I think he can still get back to being an MVP caliber player, first team All NBA, one of the best players in the NBA. But I think it's unrealistic to expect him to play the way he was playing in like two or three years ago or three or four years ago, just cause that's like some of the best, best basketball any of us have ever seen in our lives. Mm-hmm. And we were like at the point where like, this guy's better than LeBron. Yeah. Which is wild to think about. For sure. There definitely were times there where I was like Steph over LeBron dude. Yeah. Like seriously, I'm not even kidding you. <laughs> like he was just stud. 
Yeah. But yeah, remember freaking who are they playing? Like the Grizzlies or something? And he hit that freaking like it was like a tip ball. Someone not like it was like a deflected pass and it just randomly ended up in his hands and he like chucked up like away like it was almost from like the top of the key on the opposite side of the court and he drained it. I don't remember that play. I, I forget it, but like Mike Tirico, I think was the announcer and he was going crazy. I forget who, but yeah, some of his shots, like I remember watching his Oklahoma city game, bro. Mm -hmm. When he was just pulling up. The one where he hit the game winner. You mean? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. So many wild shots. He's a beast, dude. I can't wait. Like I miss watching him. I'll be excited to have him back this year. Yeah. hundred percent. Well, thank you for your knowledge. I tried to understand but some of the things just go over my head bro yeah, thanks it's, cra- it's crazy that you like know everything thanks like the nba is like you're like have you always liked it the nba yeah yeah because i feel like like in middle school and stuff you never really talked about it i don't know have you always been like a big sports guy or did it come on later I've always been a big sports guy. Now I now I'm less of a sports guy and more of an NBA guy. I feel like I don't really like I used to pay attention to every sport, and now I just pay attention to the NBA pretty much. How come? Uh, I don't know. I actually pay attention to college football too, but only the Pac-12, and only when I actually this season I'm not going to pay attention to it. I don't. I don't even pay attention to college football. I just watch cool highlights whenever they're there because the games have been wild and like. It's just like a joke to me. They're all just scrimmages, I think, because mm-hmm. we're obviously not seeing the full potential of each team. A hundred percent. Yeah. 